Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blimson. Spaniards face one of the most divisive national elections in living memory, with two electoral blocs competing to portray each other as an existential threat to Spain's future. Ben Hall discusses the last days of the campaign with Ian Mount, our reporter in Madrid. Muy buenas noches. Uno de los cuatro candidatos que hoy nos acompañan será el próximo presidente del gobierno. Pablo Casado, buenas noches. Buenas noches. Pedro Sánchez, buenas noches. Buenas noches. Bienvenido, señor Rivera. Buenas noches. Bienvenido, Pablo Iglesias. We've just heard a clip from the opening of one of the televised debates between party leaders. Supposedly one of the highlights of this election campaign. Ian, how did the party leaders do? Well, they desperately fought to attract the 25% or more of Spanish voters who are still undecided. There were very aggressive, polarized debates with the right and left-wing candidates painting themselves in completely opposite colors. Pedro Sanchez, the socialist prime minister, remarked wryly that what TV viewers were witnessing was a primary of the right-wing parties in which they were competing to say the most monstrous things. Was he being a bit unfair? No, I think he's not unjustified in saying that. He was called the enemy of Spain, a close friend of those who wanted to tear the country apart, a person who preferred hands bathed in blood to coming to an agreement with moderate forces. In reference to the ETA terrorists who attacked Spanish cities during the 80s and 90s. It's probably fair to say as well that much of the action in this campaign has been between the three right-wing parties. So we're talking about Ciudadanos, the liberal, fiercely anti-Catalan independence party, the People's Party, which is the mainstream centre-right, and Vox, this insurgent ultra-nationalist party. Yes, well, the arrival of Vox has really pulled the other two parties to the right as they're fearful of losing voters to a party that, without any embarrassment, has called for a return to Spanish tradition, the recentralization of the state, a clampdown on immigration, and other populist and nationalist issues that have attracted a lot of people angered by the attempt at secession in Catalonia and who are looking for a home after the premiership of Mariano Rajoy, who is seen as sort of gray and unwilling to attack the secession or the separatist problem in Catalonia head-on. And this has been a bit of a gift to Mr Sanchez, right? He's been able to sort of sit back and watch as his opponents sort of fight it out. Well, it's, it's almost ironic that as he's moved left to peel off voters from the anti-establishment Podemos party, he still manages to appear to be the most centrist and moderate of all the politicians because the parties on the right have moved so far to the right to try to capture that nationalist populist vote. And give us a sense of how or what the polls are telling us about the state of play after voting on Sunday. Well, the polls point to a very difficult government formation. Pedro Sanchez is Socialist Party is polling around 30%, the traditional center-right People's Party around 20, Ciudadanos around 15, Podemos around 13 or 14, and Vox around 11. And if you put together either a left or right block, neither of them adds up to a parliamentary majority, which suggests that either Mr. Sanchez will have to make some sort of deal with Catalan Nationalist Parties again, which is in a sense, what led to the collapse of his last government when those parties abandoned him because he would not 
negotiate a referendum on independence for Catalonia, or some sort of cross-party agreement between Mr. Sanchez's socialist and Mr. Ram's party, which has said repeatedly that it will not form a coalition with him, but which in the past has supported him and could at some level say, we're surrendering our veto of Mr. Sanchez in order to save Spain from an agreement with the separatists that could break apart the country. Whatever happens, it's most likely to be a very difficult negotiation since it appears that neither the three parties on the right or the two parties on the left will add up to majority. And if Mr. Sanchez emerges from this election as the relative, at least, winner, is Pablo Casado, the leader of the PP, the centre-right party, the big loser? It really depends how the election turns out. Pollsters don't really know how much an effect Vox will have. They're saying they're polling around 11%, but they said that they were polling around 3 or 4% in recent regional elections in Andalusia, and they came out with 10 or 11% there. The question is whether there is a lot of undeclared Vox supporters who say they will vote for the People's Party. If Vox shoots up in the polls and passes Ciudadanos or comes close to the People's Party, Casado will have a real problem on his hands since it could lead to a sort of larger slide toward Vox and toward the right and the marginalization of his party. Either way, he's likely to have the worst election results for the Pepe since it was founded 30 years ago. And Ian... Tell us how the issue of Catalan independence has played out in this election. We're referring to the illegal referendum of 2017, which has caused quite a Spanish nationalist backlash. What effect has that had politically? Well, it makes government formation harder because Mr. Sanchez has basically been forced to say repeatedly that there will be no referendum, there will be no independence, etc., etc., because the parties on the right have made a very central issue of the support he received from the separatist parties to form his government and to kick Mariano Rajoy out of office last June, suggesting repeatedly that he is secretly negotiating a referendum or the possible independence of Catalonia. So to suggest that you would negotiate a referendum would be the quickest way for Mr. Sanchez to lose a large portion of his voters. So he's had to shore that up. It also makes parties like the Catalan Republican left and what used to be called Convergencia, Convergence, in Catalonia lose a bit of their importance. They used to be very central to forming governments in Spain, but now as they've both gone from being Catalan nationalist parties to separatist parties, it becomes almost toxic for uh, other parties to form a coalition with them. And Mr. Sanchez has pretty firmly ruled out any move towards independence, hasn't he, and, and to a referendum? He has said repeatedly, and during the debates this week, in both of them, in fact, no means no, there will be no referendum, there will be no independence. And have the Catalan separatists in any way softened their position? Well, of the two main separatist parties, the one that is led by Carles Puigdemont, the former regional first minister or president, during the period that the illegal referendum was held, has not. They've maintained a very hard line saying that we have a referendum that's basically the only way out and that will be independence. The other party, the Catalan Republican left, has made some overtures to Sanchez saying that they would not either actively or passively allow a government of the far right and that they would be open to supporting Mr. Sanchez to avoid that, though the leader Oriol Junqueras warned that he would not get their votes for free. And what about 
box this ultra-nationalist party. You mentioned it's unclear how well they will do, but given that they have no MPs at all right now, and I think only got 0.2% in the last election in 2016, they're going to make some inroads here, aren't they? They're going to have quite a big effect on the Spanish political scene. Absolutely. The big question is whether they win 30 MP positions or 60. For example, if they were to pass Ciudadanos to become the second largest force in the right, or if they were to win enough seats that one could form a three-party right-wing government, they would have a large effect on policy. The two other parties in the right have shown some reticence to actually form a coalition with them. There's been more talk about them supporting the other two from the outside, but depending on how important their support was, they might have a large impact on, for example, immigration policies or what they call the historic memory law, a law passed in 2007 to dig up mass graves from the Franco dictatorship and the Civil War and to try to have a sort of truth and reconciliation period. They are very much against that. So in office, they could change some important policies. Could you imagine a Spanish government being supported by a ultra-nationalist or far-right, depending on how you want to describe this party? actually taking power and sitting in EU summits, given Spain's Francoist past. Can you imagine that actually happening? <laughs> I think uh, I, like many people, try not to imagine it happening. They try to paint themselves as, yes, conservative, but not Francoist and not fascist. One would hope that that was true, that they were not appealing to the worst in the part of society that may be nostalgic for order or for traditional values that were sort of symbolized by Franco. But yeah, I think everyone would find it surprising to have them making major decisions in the EU of today. Ian, lastly, Spain's a very fragmented political system now, which means you need coalitions essentially to run the country. But this campaign has shown anything other than a collaborative spirit. Can you imagine Spain, at least at national level, adopting a kind of more cross-party political consensual kind of politics? I think the campaign has shown the ability or the willingness to create coalitions within an ideological bloc. For example, in 2015, when Podemos first arrived, they almost passed the socialists. And when the socialists tried to form a government with Ciudadanos, rather than support that government, they pushed to go to second elections because they thought that they might be able to become the largest force on the left. It was more important to do that than to form a government. Today, they've shown themselves a little chastened by what happened afterwards as they've lost support. Similarly, on the right, Ciudadanos and the Pepe, which have traditionally been competitors for the center-right and the center, have shown themselves more willing to work together and sort of hold their nose and accept support from Vox. The question is whether you could form a bridge across the center between Ciudadanos and the socialists. They've said they won't, but we'll see if that's the only option to new elections or a coalition that includes Catalan separatists. There is, I believe, more than an outside chance that they would form a government together. Okay, Ian, thank you very much. That was Ben Hall, FT Europe editor, talking to Ian Mount in Madrid. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, you can find our latest subscription offers at ft.com slash offer. Hey. 
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.